Welcome to Beer and a Movie, the podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings, and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of men from our mouths. What, did I slip there? Oh, man. I am one of your hosts, Dave Gurney, and with me is... Joe Hilliard. And Carlos Cooper. So, guys, we've come together yet again to talk beer and movies, and I I let slip maybe in in that intro a little bit, uh, the title of one of our films uh, this week. Yeah, we've put together what may go down in history as the most unhinged pairing of films that we have ever I think I think tonally speaking, we probably have the widest expanse we ever have. Yeah. Yeah. Although they've got range, the, folks. They've there got is range. A, there is a through line here, folks, there and I is. and I think I, I even have a title for this episode in mind that I'll oh, probably throw out there I at some point. Thank thank you for that. It's yeah. it's really it's hard work. Yeah, you know, yeah. putting those titles together. <laughs> I think we've got a lot to talk about tonight. Sure, um, and we probably need to get our glasses moistened ASAP, as is the tradition on the show. It's beer and a movie. Let's talk about beer. This is our first from Bottle Logic Brewing who, of course, is a very big, very bigly revered brewery for their, you know, stouts and special series. And uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to let it slip. I, I, this might be my first dance with Bottle Logic. I think you yeah. guys have both had it before. I have it bottle Beers shares. From them I'm wondering if you may have had it, but it was so late in the share at some point that you just don't recall. Or the share was so there. crowded. I know that I have had this before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, this very beer or yes, one beer. of their beers? Oh, okay. Yeah, beer. So okay. a few weeks ago, of course, we had... But you're right. It's kind of fuzzy. <laughs> a few weeks ago, we had our first, like, for, for, let's get together and go watch a movie with anyone that wants to come. And while there, uh, loyal listener, Discord uh, user, he's on our server, Daniel said, let's go out to the car. I got some beers to take for <laughs> you guys to take for the show. And this was one of them. This is Bottle Logic Brewing. They are, of course, out of anybody know from Heart. While I climb, Florida, find I'm, it on I've the never menu. known, but I'm not sure what part of. Florida. As we talked about before on Mike, I have never purchased anything from them. I have just well, and consumed. It, and even when I've seen the opportunity, it's on that secondary. I don't know. Do you the, the unnamed beer service? Do we consider them secondary market? I mean, they they do mark things up beyond yeah, what a normal be, right? retailer is. I don't know. Um, but when I've seen them come up, they are expensive bottles, folks. These yeah. these are not easy. To, I'm not sure High what ABB. I'd be paying straight from the brewery, but I do know whenever I've seen it as an opportunity that I could buy, yeah. it was way expensive. Yeah, like 50. I, I'm looking at craftshap.com and this very beer, one single bottle, which is, you know, 32 ounces. I'm sorry, 16 ounces is $45. There you yeah. go. Uh, but this is their fundamental observation. Accessible beer here on the show, folks. Yeah, perhaps. Well, you can go to Craft Shack and access it all you yeah, want to if true. you got 45 bucks. We'll but get accessible in the second half. This yeah. is called Fundamental Observation. It's an imperial vanilla stout. It's part of their advanced barrel aging program it's an imperial stout aged in bourbon barrels with madagascar vanilla beans my favorite kind of vanilla bean familiar flavors of cookie dough brownie batter and milk chocolate in fact i was at craft shack to look up a little more about it it's called they call it liquid brownie batter it was aged in a blend of heaven hill elijah craig and willet bourbon barrels finishes out at a mighty 14 point one seven. One seven percent. Very, very specific. specific. <laughs> very specific. Ooh. 
double double decimal. Oh point. my wow. god! When I opened that bottle, I just got smacked in the face with a very like alcohol vibe. So let me get a little in my glass and I'll pass it Oh, I can it see it just to clinging you. to your glass as you're pouring and it. And we will see if this beer will intense. help us make any fundamental observations about the first film that we <laughs> intend on talking about tonight. Yeah, which is a film that I I think most likely. Uh, appeared on our uh, anticipated list. Sure. For all of us. Yeah, I mean, Alex Garland holds a special place in this podcast if you go all the way back to episode number one. Yeah. Um, so when we were excited to see uh, one that, you know, with some of these films like from Neon, A24, Annapurna, some of those indie distribution studios, or I shouldn't even say indie at this point. Indie but, distributors, yeah. But some of the smaller distributors, they don't right. always come here, especially first run. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes it takes a couple weeks for us to get them, but I was glad to see that this was playing in our town opening weekend so we could do it in a timely fashion for the this, for this show. If you are unfamiliar with it, uh, Alex Garland's third film, it stars Jesse Buckley. Uh, third th- film as director. As director. Because he did write, which was something I don't even remember if we talked about on the Annihilation episode very much, but I've become aware of some of the films that he, like Sunshine, he wrote Sunshine. Oh yeah, the Danny Boyle movie? Uh, yeah, yeah, which I loved. I remember really loving back in the 2000s and I had never put it together until mm-hmm. just recently reading up on this where I was like, oh man, he wrote yeah. that, okay. Yeah, but but his third behind the camera as right. director and, and, and writer, did he write this? Both writer, director this time. It okay. wasn't even an adaptation, right? Because uh, Annihilation was an adaptation. Yeah. Here we're talking about this is an original concept yeah. From the man himself. So what's it about? Uh, I'm first going to read you the IMDb synopsis. Smart. Start uh, there. If yeah. you've seen this film and you're listening to it, it's funny. Uh, <laughs> a young woman goes on a solo vacation to the English countryside following the death of her ex-husband. Okay. Succinct. Yeah. To the point. Well said. Is nothing it, strange happens. Is it, <laughs> is it accurate? Yes. Is it not the whole picture? Also, yes. Uh, yeah, so, um, I mean, that's the basic premise. You know, you, you see it in the trailer. You see her watching her ex-husband fall. Uh, Though in the, the context of, of the trailer, building. it's a little confusing. Like, what what is that? Is that like an hallucination or something I, surreal? I always read it pretty literally, but I can you, understand how you... how That's how that I... I was like, is she going to go into some kind of strange, surreal yeah, world? That makes that this, sense. Because there's a... It's in slow motion. It's in slow so motion. So there's kind of a weird dreamlike mm-hmm. quality to it. Mm-hmm. Everything that occurs in that apartment is... Uh, lit very specifically yeah. has a specific kind of color to it um, but anyway so makes it out to this place kind of odd guy named Jeffrey that owns the I guess Airbnb or whatever the equivalent over there is I mean it might be Airbnb it might be something else um, VRBO <laughs> uh, and you know kind of interesting interaction goes on a walk things start to get a little bit stranger a naked man shows up and uh her courtyard naked of the man rental, who resembles who resembles uh jeffrey yeah um and then she starts meeting a lot of men that resemble jeffrey and then things get a little stranger and stranger. she never really acknowledges that they she look doesn't like no she doesn't and i don't know that she is meant to no i mean i think that was a choice on yeah. the part of her and the director like they do not have her acknowledge that yeah. these people share the same face it's something that's just for us and not Right. In the universe that the characters are occupying. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Which is interesting. Um, maybe. Maybe. Ooh. But, but yeah, I mean, it's an Alex Garland movie, so things get fucked up at some point, right? Like, <laughs> things get pretty fucking crazy. Uh, I went and saw this movie yesterday uh, with some friends, 
uh, at so so. Well, you were friends going into it, yes. but it, coming out, we don't uh, know. Well, uh, have I? Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> so y'all saw this trailer. Let's just get through some of the the pretext of this film first, like okay. leading up to its release. Y'all saw this trailer at Alamo like a ton, right? Yeah, I saw it several times. Okay. Saw, yeah, saw it a few times. A ton doesn't show there. Uh, yeah, which yeah, is. I don't under I just don't understand that they advertise films that they never have any intention mm, well, of showing. They, so I go to Century 16, which is which is our Cinemark theater where people can just talk freely in the middle of the film. <laughs> apparently, it's happened to me the last who God knows how many times I've gone. Uh, but the reason I bring it up is because they also only sell one size tub of popcorn. Yes, and it is a comically large. Is size that what tub. they've they've gone to? I haven't yeah. bought popcorn it, there in a long at, time. At some point, they got rid of their mediums, and it was just small and large tub. And when I went. It was just large tub. Yeah. Sierra went with me and uh, was able to finagle the high school boy at the popcorn machine into giving her a kid-sized one uh, so she didn't have to buy a yeah. $7.75 giant tub like my dumbass did. Because uh, I didn't even get through half of it. I mean, and even if... It, oh, man, it, I can it, take down some popcorn. Even, it's not... even the amount I did go through, I didn't feel good about. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but anyway, so the reason I bring up where it was playing and the fact that it's a theater where people talk freely is for a number of reasons. One... When her phone glitches for the first time, so she's FaceTiming a friend yep. of hers named Riley, uh, her phone glitches and this, these disturbing images kind of pop up. And as soon as Pixelated. that happens, they're screaming yeah, yeah. Yeah. face. Yeah, it's, it's, it's glitchy, you know, yeah. and um, someone in the crowd goes, whoa, at that volume. <laughs> and right as the score dies down, it's like, whoa and <laughs> that i that i i would be okay with i'll abide a whoa i i I'm, occasionally... okay, I'm okay with sounds but when you're saying full words at that point it's like you are now talking you are not reacting you are talking and chris and i looked at each other and we're don't just you like, ever occasionally let out a no or a uh, don't I, go in there. No, no, no. Don't. No. Uh, uh, is yeah. an acceptable okay, reaction that's okay. not a full stab strike. the arm stab it uh and then Spoiler alerts, people! The title of the film shows up before the film is actually done. So the title, so yeah, like a there's scene, a, a scene epilogue, ends, yeah. A scene ends, men, big letters, and then you get this little epilogue after it. So everyone in the theater thought when men popped up that the movie was over. We're good to go. And literally, there were two people that said things out loud. One of them goes, "I am so mad," and then the other one was like, "That was just." so bad i can't what what I, was I that am, i mean if if you've seen the split out there with with uh critics versus uh audience you know yeah. what i mean Th this is one of those polarizing films where the critical establishment is treating it pretty well is, is receiving yeah. it pretty well there's there's some mixed but but generally well Fans, average audience, uh on the other hand are generally hating this film which is which is understandable Oh, and it's an off-putting film. This it is, is not it's, a, it's, a yeah. pleasant ride, folks. No, no. and uh, and I would... and before we get further into the film, I just it, it it bears mentioning. It's worth mentioning because the Northman did the same thing that this movie did. A twenty four is very crafty in this way, and it seen, And I don't I don't know that it's a good strategy. I'm really on the fence about how I feel about it. But they're cutting these very digestible trailers for these movies that are not really all that digestible. You know what I mean? Like the people, I don't I don't know that the men trailer was digestible. Well, it I doesn't give you the impression saw. of it doesn't give you the impression that you're about to go on exactly the ride that you go. Yeah, on. what we saw in the film versus what was I mean. 
the it's a I mean the, the the very fact that you have which you establish in the trailer you have Rory Kinnear playing multiple different characters who seem to operate as if they are separate but together not in a comedy context we've seen actors do that in comedies yeah this is but not it's that. clear this the trailer makes it clear this is not a comedy no so to me going into it. I had no, and also I guess I had the baggage of knowing it's Alex Garland, but mm-hmm. even if I didn't know Alex Garland, I think I would have seen that trailer and been able to say pretty declaratively, this is going to be a messed up film. I'm not going to go in expecting anything less than something that's going to upset me or disturb me on some I think level. It's, I think it's hard for us to divorce ourselves from our experience and like that we've seen a lot of films. Cause I don't think that average audiences saw that trade. I think, I think most of the people that right. Were, I may, I may be too jaded at this point. I with just, my... I just saw a lot of casuals in my theater and I think, and like a lot of people on dates and stuff like that. But I think that like, they were just going it, to see why a horror casual, movie. Okay. I, look, that's, I, I I'm guess, just saying, I I'm guess, just but I'm like Jesse Buckley, God lover is is rising up her her stock value i think is going up and Agreed. and it should be but she is not a star no rory kinnear is at best it's not known as a character actor name. right not a and, and, at all. and in the american context so that anybody would just casually pick this film to go to on a date like but, befuddles me but but think about the way that people talk about a24 these days people don't say like alex Carl like oh the new a24 movie a24 sure. has this weird kind of thing about it, does. it where it's it's acknowledged as a thing more and more outside of the dedicated indie film scene. I I just yeah you you may be right. I just saw I mean, those two movies so close together and thought it was interesting because like with the Northman, I think a lot of people expected it to be this X action Viking. X. Well, X you can tell is going to be fucking weird from the trailer. I mean, it's about making a porn. So but, it, a, but, but it is but it is much more uh, yeah. conventional than it this is. Film. No, it is. Yeah. It is. But there's um, some fucked up, fucked up shit in there. there. Is. I mean, you can get to a point as a sophisticated moviegoer, even a casual moviegoer, where when I see those three letters and numbers together, A twenty four, I'm going to expect minimally an quote unquote art house movie yeah a challenging movie yeah i just think and they have enough movies that are <clears throat> i'm one of those they have enough this is they have enough this is the distributor behind tusk, tusk. i know okay. believe me i i more than anybody i'm on board with what you're saying <laughs> but you know they have mid 90s they have these other kind of more palatable i don't know it, it, it was just something that i found interesting okay. when but we got it, out of, and it clearly is having that effect like what clearly what, what what you're saying and i did not hear anybody say those that <laughs> clear of a thing in our theater but but I could feel it. They got up and said out loud, announced it to the theater. I and heard then, a, I heard a date couple walking by and she said to him, that is the last time you get to pick the movie. That's hilarious. And then, so, but then Sierra. But it is the first time I'm having sex with you right after. That. <laughs> oh my God. Maybe. That's what she said. Uh, but then Sierra and Chris Olvetta and I, the, we, went, we went and saw it together. We're, st- we're standing outside talking and kind of looking at each other for a second. And, and, and we we're all trying to make heads or tails of what we saw. And at one point, Chris said what we were all thinking. And was like, you know, I want to talk about this movie, but I don't know what to say. That's what I... I and so I, I that's text, where I think that we is, should start That is this. a sign of genius. I, I agree this, with you. I this film my friends is I... a geniusly made film. I, I just have to say... This does not replace everything, everywhere, all at once as my top film of the year. It it can't do that. That's I've declared it. I've already said it. But man, does this one come close in terms of the thought it's provoked in me, and and how much I've been mulling it over. I'm sorry, Joe. I kind of stepped. Well, I was on just going to say that I said a similar kind of reaction, Carlos. I texted my little high school group that we text almost every day. I said, 
Someone go see Men so you can tell me what the fuck I just saw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's a... And then, uh, I went, and then I went to go see it again. I w- wish that I had had the time to see it again. I didn't, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't get to see Let's it until, dive in. until Sunday and it's Monday now. Um, I just... So I, I guess the only place that I can really think to start to discuss this movie is the cinematography because it's amazing. There's gorgeous. This really, I mean, kind of what the first one of the first scenes where things start to get a little weirder, and you can tell, like, all right, we're getting, we're moving towards something kind of off kilter and eerie, and things are going to get bad here pretty soon. Is when she goes on this really long walk through the English countryside, mm-hmm. and so leisurely paced not much happens for a long time and i taking in the green splendor not a second of it concerned me i wasn't like i didn't feel it was dragging i didn't get bored i loved every frame of that sequence and you know i i said something about this when we talked about lamb that it's like oh yeah the cinematography is great well you're shooting in fucking iceland of course it looks great you know and there is there you know i can't Talk out of both sides of my mouth. There is a degree of that here. British the, countryside. The British countryside hear. is so beautiful that, you know, but but the the way he's playing with depth of field and like the focus in this film, mm. especially when, you know, a Jesse Buckley is at the center of the frame. There's there's one scene specifically that I'm thinking of where he, she's talking to the vicar mm-hmm. uh, and you, they're in a two shot mm-hmm. and the background is the blurriest I've ever seen a background of a two shot in my entire life. It's like you can't make out anything behind them except for kind of vague colors. It was almost as pixelated as my Harold and And it's a film that also sets up thematically pretty early as a visual motif. Characters arriving in the background of shots that you may or may not notice initially and that like eventually will become a point of attention. Often Rory Kinnear playing that character, but more often than not, let's, let's stay on that walk. She ends up at a a tunnel. Uh, It's a, what do they call it? A deserted railway. Yeah, it was a rail kind of railway. That's what they call. That's what they say. And there is a scene of her looking into this tunnel. tunnel. Yeah. And you see that her, uh, her back to the camera tunnel in front of her, green on both sides of the tunnel zoom in slow zoom in where now the blackness of the tunnel is the entire frame with her in the middle incredible that is when she begins uh and that okay we know there has been some trauma in her life i don't know if we've seen the first like major flashback of how intense that trauma was and i feel like we've at least seen one the initial fight I think I think point. we've seen at this point we've seen her tell him that she wants a divorce and he does not and him it well. and him guilt tripping her about yes, that he will but kill it does, himself. But he doesn't get like aggressive or violent. Right. And no, it, not in that. Yet. And that is a throughput, a through line of the film is we learn more and more and more just how dysfunctional and toxic their relationship was there mm-hmm. at that breakup point. Yeah. In a continued flashback to continue that scene. We start with the end where we see him falling, but then we go back and tell the story. And then we even learn more about that later so, on. There's some context. Yeah. A woman alone in the countryside might feel some trepidation about walking into a very, very long tunnel without exactly knowing where she is or who might be around. But what she does instead is begin like testing the echo of the tunnel. Yeah. And Which is where... Jeff Barrow and Ben Salisbury just absolutely come in correct. So she goes, ah, and then, ah, it's amazing. And that becomes a through line of the score for the the rest of the movie. So what we're seeing is like this expertly, at least storyboarded notion of, I'm going to take pieces and pieces and pieces of puzzle, show it, 
uh, sh- show you the pieces as we go along. Bring in score. Anyway, she walks You're down. Bu- it. It's building and the building whole, the everything. The whole film, like it, the, the theme there of this like echoing, this idea that something that happens at one point in time has reverberations that you will continue experiencing mm-hmm. almost infinitely. It's represented in the score. It's represented visually. It's represented in the character dialogue. It's masterful. So then she's walked into the tunnel. Yes. Mm-hmm. And there is a focus rack from rack her yeah. to the end of the tunnel, mm-hmm. a quarter mile away. I don't know. It's a fucking ass long tunnel. Yeah. And a, fig- a, a, figure, tunnel. a figure gets up off of the ground, but very yeah. far away. Silhouetted. Pause. She realizes she could potentially be in danger. The figure begins running toward her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now we're going back to the little pathway, if she can find right. it, of getting back up. Now, Which, I, as we, soon as she went down that pathway, where she had to like really kind of climb down or whatever, yeah. I, I I knew immediately. I was like, you she climbed down to a road where yeah. she could go left or well, right, and she went left. Well, exactly. But as soon as that scene was happening, I was like, you better remember where <laughs> where this was. And sure enough, we Did see her run breadcrumbs right past it. Yeah. Now, now I, I don't intend on going through the entire film point by point, but I'm, I want to come back to that tunnel scene probably. Probably a little later in the discussion. Yeah, I just, uh, which I, tunnel? That tunnel the, or the, the first time that, that zoom in? The z- <laughs> I, because the there's zoom lots of tunnels. There's in a lot of tunnels. tunnels. No, the zoom in that takes the 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 side every aspect of where she is away and just into the blackness. Yeah, her figure in front of that blackness. I'll yeah, come back to that. It, I agree with David. It's masterful. It's, I had lunch with Josh earlier today and uh, he asked me about it and I was like, well, I was like, well, it's fucking crazy. And he was like, I feel like that's what everyone's saying, but like nobody has said if they like it or not. And I was like, Oh no, I loved it. I'll tell you right now that I loved this movie. Uh, And I was like, but I don't, I don't know that I understand why just yet. I don't know that I understand what exactly happened just yet. Uh, But I, it was a brilliant time at the cinema Mm -hmm. because it was a movie that like, do you remember that story where a guy traded like a paperclip and ended up with a house? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Craigslist. Was that, it was Craigslist. Yeah, I think, right, I think right. It was early days of Craigslist. That's what kind of what this movie was, is it started out with like... Just very girl. small. It's very small. And then like, you know, like y'all said, the echoing in the tunnel builds in the score and like everything that happens, every element of it is brought to this crescendo where all oh, of yeah. it is this existing is in the same time and place. All of it mean like there's nothing in this movie that's wasted. There's nothing in this movie that you were shown that doesn't have some doesn't come back around again in mm. some way in like a, a significant way. Like, you know, when you go into the the church and you see the 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 stone a green man as we found out is what it is and then the it's like a basin or something r- related to the green knight which we, you know yeah folks, we, we just did, we uh, did the green knight not that uh, long ago and i did ago. think about the green knight when that character comes back at the end like fully formed definitely has uh, it's the iconography elements. of of ancient churches especially churches in uh, europe but mm-hmm. but but whenever you see that in the movie, and I mean, I know it was in the trailer a little bit, but it's like, oh, this is just like a striking visual. It's giving us mood. It's giving us tone. It's like taking a church, which would otherwise be seen as a sanctuary, and giving it some kind of menace. But no, it goes much farther than that. Like, there's mm-hmm. nothing. It's so meticulously crafted, and it 
pays off so much and it well it's trust it, it trusts its audience in a big way i think what you're saying i i agree with wholeheartedly and and that it starts out feeling so small like this is a this the story of a woman trying to find inner peace again retreating to the countryside after a tragedy with her husband a- after a tragedy right we don't even know the extent of it fully but we, you know something something that's happened and we go from there and very quickly start introducing the fact that, well, oh, wait, there's an Adam and Eve element here, right? When she picks the fruit, yeah. the, the, uh, that, the apple off the, the tree. When she gets in. to the country's house, that's the first thing she does is right. pick an apple off a tree right. and take a bite. Which yes. is a little bold, I would say. No, it's very on the nose. It is. Well, it, it is. It's on the nose, but I'm just saying like in the world in which that, like, that, if that I is interesting up- of you as a man to say that a woman is too bold to... <laughs> feel that she could but i mean if, i'm just saying there, I there's show, a little if, instinctive reaction there that uh we, we I, have I, I, that I, I maybe <laughs> i think you might be reading too much into that. i i just think that well if, am i though i think part of what part of the point that right okay the title of the film is men so yeah. i think it's funny because i think you're exactly right carlos that this is a complicated story ultimately it's a simple story that once you start realizing all the the threads of uh, religion, spirituality, myth, uh, you know, mythos, mm-hmm. uh, patriarchy, the th- themes around gender that are sort of like swirling around this and not swirling around it in like, a, oh, you as a analytical audience member might start picking these apart. No, this film is telling you, I want you to connect this. I want you to connect that. I want you to, to attempt this. to. I want you to connect the green man. I want you to connect Sheila Nagig. I want you to connect the idea of, mm-hmm. you know, men mansplaining, you know, they, all of those things get brought right to the surface for you at various times. So, but I've seen people dismiss this film where I've seen especially critics dismiss it. It's been largely around the idea that this is too on the nose. The film's called Men. It's about toxic masculinity as embodied by Rory Kinnear and all of his manifestations. I I believe that to be lazy criticism. I do too. I do too. But I I understand why people are so quick to jump there. I do too. And I want to get back to that as well. Let's let's go through the men, right? She meets Jeffrey, the... um, The the Airbnb host. Airbnb host. Who the nicest of all the men, nicest really. of them all to until a point, but <laughs> he does nicest try. of them all until he. Uh, 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 by the way, uh, females need to watch what they're flushing down the loo. Uh, he's talking about a septic, septic system, tank. and you don't want to put anything down there besides toilet papers. And of course, females would be the ones who might break that rule. You know, mm-hmm. his point of view. Yeah. The next man we meet is the figure in the tunnel. Right. The next man we meet after she escapes from whoever that man is and she's feeling a little more calm, she turns around, sees some, I don't know, dilapidated buildings of some kind, and standing there is a nude man uh, from a very far distance. Right. Who then comes... Not the same guy from the tunnel? I think that is supposed to be. We, but so I, you don't know. You don't, it may you don't be know. the yeah. same guy yeah. from the tunnel. Uh, it, it, sure. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. Then uh, we see him at the house. The, the same one. The same that? Naked, yeah. naked man at the house while she's on the, the FaceTime call with her friend. Then we see a police officer. And again, they're all Rory Calhoun, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Rory, Rory, Rory Calhoun. Calhoun. <laughs> Who's Rory Calhoun? Rory uh, Kinnear, brother of Greg Kinnear, yeah. correct? 
<laughs> I don't think so, no. but those are the two Kinnears I know in films. Yeah. Okay, then we see, I, mean, I may get some of them out of order, then we see the vicar, right? She goes to a church. I think we see the young boy first because the vicar y- is yes. the one who She goes to the church and has kind of an, uh, has another flashback. We see the cop before that, though, right? Yeah, yes, he comes he and arrests the, cop, the naked yeah. guy. Then we see, after she leaves the church, we see the vicar come in and look at her and leave, but mm-hmm. then we see a young boy with a female mask on. Right. And in what is clearly, clearly to the point of one of the questions I had for y'all today, was that intentionally bad jarring CGI? Because I believe yeah. it was intentionally jarring. I think, yeah, I don't know if I would call it bad. I think it was intentionally, I think it was, it was intentionally not doing much to change the face in order to have it blend with a small boy's face instead just feeling it just, like it just it's a reeked superimposed. of CGI and the rest of the special effects in the film were so good well, that it's, it's interesting though like one of the things I, I wonder and tiny tangent I'll just put it there we may pick it up later Chris Cunningham the music video director who if folks are familiar with uh, his work for Aphex Twin he did the Come to Daddy video very similar CGI look to what he was doing there, taking the artist, Aphex mm-hmm. Twin, Richard James is the guy's name, but his thing is Aphex Twin, and he takes his face and puts it over these things. They did a follow-up video called Window Liquor, where they did a very similar thing, but it, superimposing his face on female, um, like, bikini models and, and whatnot. So, right. very similar. And then also, once we get to the end, there's a lot of similarities in some of the work that he did when it gets more grotesque and it gets into like right. the births. The yeah. little boy wants to play hide and seek. She says, no, he calls her a bitch. Mm-hmm. Then the vicar shows up, tells the little boy to go home. The vicar sits down with her and, you know, begins doing what a vicar might do, being a safe place for her to kind of reveal some things. Because she's just screamed aloud in the church. I right. mean, he is, he is you're, heard you're, you're her. You're in trauma. You're in her. trauma. Tell yeah. me about it. Then that vicar puts his hand on her leg in a very you know, intimate, not intimate, but like familiar way. And in a kind the, of weird way. But, it, but, the, but the thing is, I, remember, I was, I, I mean, I was watching this film intently all, all the way through, but I remember watching that very intently and thinking as it was happening, oh, that's so weird. You wouldn't do that. But then I'm like, we, you know what? Priests do that shit. That's like when you're, when you are um, learning the ministry, whatever you call that, like going to, what do you call Chaplain that? school? Yeah. Seminary? Like, I mean, part of it is laying your hands on people mm-hmm. and making them feel connected to you. Although it's probably changed over time, yeah. but I certainly remember as a young man but going with, but to with church. But with that, though, comes a level of, since I've got the cloth on, mm-hmm. I, there's can, a safety, I can get right? away no, with There's a this. perception of it, which... Right. At one time was maybe easier to buy. Nowadays, I think sure. uh, we've gotten a lot more jaded. But then yeah. he goes on after she tells the story that her ex-husband either committed suicide or slipped off of the railing of the flat above theirs yeah. after he she kicks him out of the house during a breakup, basically, because he punches her in the face. Good reason to kick someone out. He The vicar then says, he says everything correct until he says... Well, you must be dealing with an awful lot of guilt because had you allowed him to apologize, right, right. he'd probably be alive yeah. today. To which she says, fuck off yeah. and leaves. Yeah. Then later in the film, she goes to a pub where we see Jeffrey, the friendly Airbnb yeah. host, uh, uh, the bartender, and then two surly guys just sitting at a table looking townies. menacing. Yeah, townies. Yeah. The town- they're all Rory Kinnear, of yeah. course. Rory um, and then Jeffrey like insists on paying for her drink, even though she says no several times. Yeah. yeah. 
my point, every single man she comes in contact with does not respect her boundaries. No. Knows better for her than her. Right. And wants to like supplant his superior knowledge of whatever situation D- they happen to be talking to. Dismiss any distress that she has as right. being either the wrongly reveals, placed, like the, with the vicar telling her, well, it's not really him that you should be, it, like you should mm-hmm. be, you're guilty about your own actions. It's, you know, every, every one of them turns it around on her. You don't want to play my game. You're the bitch. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you don't want to, from, from the smallest infraction to the largest, it's always about them being in the right, her being completely deluded. The police officer tells her that they had to release the naked man and then dismisses any kind of fear or concern she has about it. Right. Then we see the naked man cut his forehead and put a leaf into right. it. We see it as audience. We, we see th- it. This That's is happening. like uh, happening in the forest. <clears throat> right, in some other place. The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is just so much going on. There is so much to digest, and he is clearly giving you pieces to some kind of puzzle, you know, that I don't, I don't know, and we need to talk about this ending, but yeah. I don't know if we understand exactly how the puzzles fits together or if we are supposed to. I don't think there, I don't think there is a singular uh, s- solution to this puzzle. But that, there, that's what I, I, I think very intentionally, I feel like Garland and, and with, with the great assistance of Buckley and Kinnear, we, we cannot skip saying how great the performances no are doubt. here. That, no. Every yeah. every aspect of filmmaking yeah. is top notch yeah. here. Um that that you have them coming together, I think, to give us these provocations. Yeah. To to sort of it seems simple. It's so pat, right? It's the idea of this woman who's trying to escape this terrible thing that's happened, this tragedy, um, wants to recenter herself, find it, and instead engages with the trauma in this incredibly intense and troubling way that connects that trauma to not just this individual woman's existence, but to these dynamics like we've been talking well, about, I, gender and mythology and these ideas of like the origins of everything. I mean, this gets you burrowing so deeply into what you could possibly connect a simple story like mm-hmm. that to that I think you end up in such a place where it's like, no, you. there's no way you're going to be able to, because we're talking about things that have plagued humans from the beginning of time. The things that, you know, that ever since we've been able to tell stories we're wrestling with is what it's getting to. There's no way you're going to have a packed conclusion on this. And certainly without a doubt, he's also saying like from the beginning of time, man time, if the stories are true, the caveman knocked the cavewoman over the head and dragged her by the hair back to the cave to do what he wanted to do. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. that this whole notion of, my needs, and certainly the ex-husband, not the ex-husband, but the deceased husband's needs were more important to the husband, his needs, mm-hmm. acceptance, love, unconditional ability to, to act however he wanted to from the short time that we see him on the screen, over her needs, which are never addressed. Yeah, I mean, they really aren't at any point in the film except for like I guess her desire to not get punched in the face when well, she, only like, by the two females we see in kicks, the movie that are very eager to help well yeah but um, the female police officer and her friend that she's chatting with on FaceTime yeah uh, yeah I almost forgot about the police officer I well, yeah, br- yeah brief only in there it's one brief scene, yeah. but but it was something that I took note of when it occurred because 
we saw the male police officer, Roy Kinnear, uh, but then you felt the empathy from that actress. Um, she did a good job in like the small time frame she was in. Um, I mean, like, look, you guys are right. There's so much to unpack. I don't think I agree that I don't think there's a singular interpretation of this film, but we have to talk about the series of birds that are yeah. uh, given at towards before, the end. And I before mean, you get to that, we do see a flashback of the husband either jumping or slipping off the balcony. I believe he jumped. And falling, I, we, uh, he fell the floor or the ground onto a metal fence yeah. that pierces his arm and mm-hmm. break, and then his ankle is broken and ankle. twisted really crazy. That's only important because of what then happens later in the film. Yeah, because then once the Rory Kinnears begin to lay siege upon the Airbnb, uh, those injuries reappear. Um, but the, but every time she encounters one of them, they keep changing. And then at a certain point, one of the green man, if, if I'm correct, right, is the first one gives birth to... Well, yes. the green man yes. sticks his hand through the, the mail slot and like in a gentle way, she takes his hand, then he grabs her arm, yeah. then she plunges a knife through his forearm. Yeah, and then he pulls it out. Through the back through his... the mail slot, ma- mail slot, slowly, slowly, slowly cutting his entire arm in half to yeah. the to the hand. And so and so for the rest of the time, through the hand. his hand is split in half, like right down the middle mm-hmm. of the like four fingers yeah. that aren't your thumb. Um, but then once once. The, the green man is the first to give birth, right? Did I, I do I remember? Do I think, I remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, this is why I wish I would have seen it a second time because I had no fucking idea that was coming. And once it started happening, I was just like white knuckle grip to my seat, just like getting through it. You know what I mean? And I, I wish I could go back and watch that again and really pay attention to like how that sequence begins, the order in which the men come out of the other men, because I feel like all of that, Hold on. Like it, matters and is intentional wait, actually, and means th- something. No, you know, now that I think about the it, Vickers wasn't first. that Jeffrey? I think it's Jeffrey because he's the one who who drives the car back, smashes it, breaks his out, breaks his ankle in the car crash, and then I think he's mm. walking and he's right, like, he yeah. So when he comes in, he's got the split hand. So it's the same. Yes, once the split hand has been established, yeah. they all have the split hand. Right. The boy has the split hand in the kitchen. After that, yeah, yeah, yeah. The vicar does because they encounter each other yeah. at some point as right. well. But then there's a um, quick like quick gestation. The belly swells. You're right. It is it is Jeffrey, isn't it? Because I because I remember whenever he walked in, I was like, oh, I like Rory Kinnear's got a bigger belly on him than I thought. You know? <laughs> uh, and but then yeah, it gets so much bigger so quickly, and then he lays on the floor right and spreads his legs, and it comes out, yeah. and then it begins to come out of different parts of each one of them. Yeah, the, to the, the point vaginas where, appear different places. The first vagina appears to be more of an anal vagina. Well, it, like, it's it's in, a, it's in an appropriate place anatomically. Below, but there's still, ju- but there's, there's still the male still junk. Penis, there, yeah, there's yeah. still the penis. Yeah. There, but below that, so one would assume, like, that's why I say anal vagina. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's right there. And then, But later we have one on the back. That, but, you know, and, and, yeah. it, and it culminates in, in chest, yeah. someone coming out of his mouth feet right. first that's the last Oral one vagina. is feet first yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, i not even vagina at that point i don't think he just opens his mouth well it's birth canal well, i don't know what, well, whatever you want to um, but uh, the reason i say that is because all the all the other instances like lo- look it more like more a vagina yeah, yeah. anatomically correct uh whereas the last one he just opens his mouth well, the next and, like, episode of feet, vagina talk <laughs> <laughs> these feet start coming out of it and it, and then the last and so that's what i'm saying is i wish that i would all of the different rory kinnears that are birthed. I feel like the order is important, but I was so 
kind of yeah, I definitely want to watch again and so think about stuff by, like that. I don't know if the orders is important as the fact that like they're all kind of like it, it gets you into this like rhythm of like he's already established this idea of all being the same on some level. There's connection. Yes, but, but like it's, but it's they a, birth each other. Like they, they, it's it's a it's. A, it's a cycle. Uh, it's a cycle and, that's and, ongoing and has gone on forever. It's like and, there's always going to be these emergences of the same thing over and over and over again. And I, I agree with you on 100%, but I do think that the certain distinctions between all of these characters are important sure. because there is a reason why Jeffrey is nicer than the rest of them. You know, they're, at least on the surface, you know, right. why he's more docile or whatever. There is a reason why the guy in the woods is so much scarier and why the yeah. townies at the bar are so like seemingly brutish. They're more menacing. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the I guy who, could you try again? <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. I don't know how Siri just came on uh, my watch, but um, yeah, I feel like there's a reason why they are all distinct from one another yet played by the same person. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it makes me think that, but it ultimately it concludes with her, Late husband is the final is the one. Final one. He lay, well, we've really only seen him flashback to flashbacks. that point, right? He lays yeah. on the couch, or he, he he sits on the couch, and at that point, she ceases to kind of be as frightened as she had been before. Also, it is funny that she just watches all of those things happen. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I was actually I was thinking during that sequence. I'm like, this is some interesting. This is a this is a tough acting assignment. Like it. Obviously, you're not seeing it actually happen, mm. right? I mean, this is CGI. They're they're working on this after the fact, like how they did it. I so no you're idea. seeing something, yeah, and like you're reacting. You know, it's been described on the page as probably I don't know a series of births happen where like the character starts, but you couldn't you couldn't other versions of itself. But yeah, I mean, how is she? So there is like a certain kind of there's horror at least initially, but it seems like it segues to more of like a stone face kind of like just stupor. Yeah, and then eventually this level of where like she's just been so worn down and wants her, you know former husband emerges she just sits down on the couch next to resignation it's just like okay we're gonna have to do this yeah and then i don't remember the question she asked like what did you want what do you want from me yeah that's what i thought and he says your love your love is what he says uh she says which is really kind of the culmination of like a lot of the themes that you know especially you guys were discussing a moment ago about like it's always about the man's perspective in every interaction that she has and not about hers and so the fact that he after all of this after uh, the fight that happened leading up to his death about everything she's experienced with all of the Rory Kinnears that at the end of the day he's still just like I should have this thing from you that requires a great deal of emotional energy and effort despite giving nothing in return and she goes despite not just giving nothing in return but the one thing I am giving you in return is negative and she like, goes okay and yeah. not, not to say okay I will give it to you but rather I think I think resigned to the idea that everything I have just witnessed, and this is where we get into maybe like what the fuck did we just see? Yeah, not just the overt that we tried to describe. What we've seen is that the cycle. I think anyway. Okay, men. Yeah, and then cut to the next morning where the friend, the girlfriend that she'd been facetiming with, arrives. Sees the blood streaks on the ground from the births, which began outside the house and move inside the house. Sees yeah. blood all over her, which means that an event took place if any of this is happening, if the girlfriend even arrived. Right. But 
she's resigned to the notion of seeing that men left, the men that she has encountered in this town, left to their own devices, have birthed, as you said, a cycle of the same shit. Yeah. Leading, finally, to her ex, uh, I keep saying ex-husband, her deceased husband, who delivered a bunch of shit. You know what I mean? To to her. And now... Okay, I'm just I'm not resigned <laughs> to being part of that world any longer, but I'm resigned to the idea that the lesson I have learned here in this experience, and I hope we have some time to talk about whether or not this any what happened and when it started not being real or is it all real. I have I have something to say about them. Um, it, take, it's, a, gonna, it's a fiction film. I will establish right here <laughs> out of the gate. This is all made up. And there's other things that I, I wanted to bring up. I wanted to bring up the dandelion spores. I wanted to bring up the yeah. dead deer carcass. I, want, I mean, there's so much information that doesn't really mesh into something that really makes sense. But that's okay, because there are films in the canon that are masterpieces that you walk away scratching your head. 2001 is the first one that pops into my mind. I mean, the deer is definitely like symbolic of like a like gentle kind of kinder creature that men torment and exploit uh, via hunting and things like that. The dandelion spores, I'm not as... Well, the dandelion spore goes into the deer's rotten eye and then comes back out and the deer has completely um, begun to decompose. Decompose. Um, Then in in the foyer or the outside area patio, the courtyard, the green man blows the takes a hand two handfuls of the dandelions and blows them at her and one of one of them travels into her mouth yeah but what the fuck does that have to do with anything see that that i don't have a strong grasp on i will say that whether in the world of this film these events did or did not occur is of no consequence um i, I don't think that. it's something it's to really this is consider. a film that i've seen it compared to this so i'm not the first one that like mother the darren aronofsky mm-hmm. film a from, film in which i hate back. I liked Mother, but it's a. This is a film that is absolutely like you cannot deny it as being asked to be perceived as allegory. It is not trying to be a literal story mm-hmm. of a woman who is experiencing trauma. Like there's, it's based in that concept, but it so like I said, it points to all these other things that it's trying to get you to think about that have so much more to do with, again, spirituality, religion, um, gender politics. It's just. Yeah. Yeah, because it's a film with a capital F, you know, it's like really like what are the boundaries of this medium that we all play in and Mm -hmm. how far can we push? Right. You know, and, you know, I think I think the thing that happens at the end uh, with Harper isn't so much a resignation as it is a kind of unaffectedness or a disinterest in this external thing which has plagued her for so long. I think. By the time we reach the end of the film, she has come to this conclusion of just like, you people will never be, I can never do enough. You're never going to be satisfied. It's never going to be good enough. And whatever. That was actually the anniversary card that Aaron just picked out for me. I think (laughs) was pretty much what you just said. Did y'all's anniversary just pass? uh, It's about to come up. She was picking it out. I was looking over her. I I believe that in the universe of this film, there was a character named Harper. She did have a husband that committed suicide. She did go to a countryside estate, but I do believe that when she goes to that tunnel and we see that shot that I referenced at the beginning. Yeah. That at that point, 
it detaches from reality sure. and becomes a baggage unpacking, trauma unpacking thing for her and the rest of it is all in her mind. I even believe that there's a Jeffrey that looks like Rory Kinnear. Yeah, but I, just, I just don't think it, it's an... he becomes a symbol of every other man sure. in I think this birthing process. Sure. It is, but I but I don't think that that is of any consequence and I don't think trying to... I don't to... think you're of any consequence. <laughs> Let's get into a fist fight. <laughs> I, just, I just don't think trying I think to parse that out is... I hear, like where, you're, I hear where you're oh, both I coming from. Oh, I disagree with you. He I, wants you to when analyze I, When I was the watching it, I, I think I felt what you did, Joe, where I was waiting for that moment where it's because I knew it was going to get there I knew we were going to have from the trailer I knew we were going to have multiple Rory Kinnears and like okay and it was the tunnel sequence where finally it pushes over into oh this is going to be surreal um, strange imagery that this is her like this is the Alice in Wonderland moment this is her following the rabbit down the hole however you want to think about it it's her crossing into that other space that we're going to see this character exist in but much like Alice in Wonderland it's like at that point, like the story about Alice, the girl who lived in the world, doesn't even make any difference to me because it's really about this journey that she's going to mm-hmm. go on and what it is that she's encountering. So I think that I, I hear that's what Carlos is saying is like, listen, once we're down the tunnel, once we're there, throw everything else out the window. It doesn't matter if it was originally a story. Also, the one last thing I think is worth n- noting is that I'm fairly positive that the mask that the kid is wearing is a reference Marilyn to Marilyn Monroe. Well, I think it's a reference to the 1976 uh, slasher film Alice, Sweet Alice. Oh, I don't, I don't know uh, that one. Is there something in the plot? Does of that somebody film wear that mask? Applicable? I haven't seen it, but I've seen that image of that yeah, mask I, in relation to that I, film. I felt, and I felt that's familiar. A, and that's an early slasher. I mean, it came out only a couple mm-hmm. years after Black Christmas. Well, it's before I mean, Halloween, I think that's before Friday. It's good you're bringing that up because I mean, this this film. Um, in a, in a weird way, I, you know, it is a horror film, and it plays into that final girl scenario yes. in this perfect way that's so different than I've ever seen it played out before. It's just... It, in part because there's never any other girl. Right, right, right. She is literally the only girl. She's not just the final girl. She's other than on FaceTime, right? Or mm-hmm. And the police officer who's there briefly. So, I mean, there are a couple exceptions. But generally, she is the only yeah. female mm-hmm. in this film yeah we didn't mention that during the breakup with the husband toward the beginning of the film when she says i i do want a divorce he says if you divorce me i will kill myself and you will have to live with that guilt for the rest of your life in other words putting right. the consequences of different. his actions onto her yeah rather than taking responsibility for himself no so i think when the husband reappears at the end and she does that resignated resi- resigned okay that is her, this has been her journey to relieve herself of that guilt, which I think that she successfully does. And I think that that's the interplay with the friend that comes in. Now, how do you account for the blood on the ground and all of that? Either ayahuasca. Yeah, I think, you're, you know what? We did. That's what the dandelion seed was, wasn't there it? There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it grew up out it. of a cow patty. It cracked it. It grew up out of a dead deer. That's right. So basically, here's the point of the show. The point of the film, rather, if you find dandelions growing in dead deers, they give you hallucinogenic effects. However, the, um, My the images are very, spree. very scary and disturbing. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that this is one of the most exciting and unique experiences that you'll have in a movie theater this year. Uh, upsetting and disturbing. Upsetting too. and disturbing as well. I mean, 
yeah, sure. It should come with that caveat. I mean, that's not me warning people off it other than to say, like, look, if you are wanting, like, yeah, I want the goriest horror that me and my friends can slap high fives at the end of the movie and talk about how cool. That's not Not this movie. You're not going to feel great after seeing this movie. It's going to provoke thought. It's going to make you uncomfortable with being a man if you're a guy. And we all are in this room. I mean, I think that, that we didn't talk about it maybe as directly as much. But there were times where I'm like, Jesus Christ, that would be like maybe something that I would say not as bad as the vicar not as bad but there, there were moments there where I could feel I think Garland did a really expert job of turning the microscope on masculinity and yeah. saying like what, what are typical male responses to women saying that they're being or, or even like Jeffrey's thing about the septic tank or whatever it doesn't feel too out of pocket when he says it because it's at the very beginning of the right, film or right. whatever, and it's just like oh, okay whatever fine yeah. but then in the context of everything that follows afterwards sure. then it, it kind of changes the way that that sentiment is framed and right and even like that, that look know? back to it is like is it wrong to be saying that this thing can happen and it does tend and it it's going to make problems for everybody. She's not going to like having a backed up septic system, right? Yeah. I mean, she's not going to, but it is this kind of assumption of guilt on the part of the female entering your home. Like you before are going to destroy something. Yeah. Before she's done anything. Right. Right. It's, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a very, I think we could probably talk for half an hour well, more. Easily, I mean, easily that, that we're almost an hour into this. This is, this is a tough film. Again, I feel like I'm going to be talking about this film with people for a long time. We've, I feel like we've kind of just scratched the surface. I think we've we've made some headway, but and, man, and 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 the thing that's interesting about what you just said is that like we famously, because all the millions of listeners out there know mm-hmm. that we have a hard and fast rule that we will not discuss the films before these mics are live. That's true. And so, what the conversation that we just had, at least for me, maybe for the two of you, is my first time really trying to dig in and grapple with this thing and the way that i talk about this film or the way that i interpret this film the way that i see this film might change after more conversation about it Mm -hmm. after repeated viewings and things like that and so this is kind of just like a like i'm trying to wrap my brain around you mentioned your friends and that's there's so much that's why there's so much more to talk about you mentioned your friends was one of them female that i catch a female sierra was okay what what was her what were her thoughts (laughs) well that's the thing is we never really got to talking about it because all of us were so just like like she i'll i'll find it but she (laughs) uh, she she tweeted something to the effect of like i need a round table discussion about this movie uh to like try to wrap my head around it yeah while you're pulling that up i'll say this i think that audiences are not liking this movie because the general if you think about what the tops at the box office have been in the very <laughs> recent past there are not a lot of we need to go get a cup of coffee and talk about what the hell we just saw and interpret no, it no it's no. probably very difficult for people you know it's not even like x you know we had mentioned right. x earlier it's pretty straightforward horror film but it's got some fun titillating moments. It's got some, like, earlier in the film. I mean, this it's, film, it's, it's there's easier to no digest. fun. There is nothing fun in no. this film. There's not a well, moment. the cinematography on the walk is kind of fun. Okay, beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> I'll give you splendor. I'll give you beauty. I, I That's fun to me. That that It's, that, a, it's a kind of fun, but, it, but I think it's a very modest and sort of, like, aesthetic kind of fun that 
mainstream audiences aren't inclined well, towards sure. anyway. It's, it's, like it's they fun. may on some level appreciate, oh, this is pretty scenery, yeah. but they're not going to be thinking like, oh my god, look at these shots. No, the, no, no, no. Look get at it. the I saturation of these greens. I get it. Like, did for he me, just did for... he just subtly change the camera angle and it changed the entire composition of the shot? Yeah. Yes, he did. For many, me, many it, times. For me, it's fun because that is my ideal place to exist i understand this is a this is a cinephiles film like if, if, if it, i could if i could live in that area if money was not an object and i could just live in a cottage in the english countryside absolutely no question only if alex garland doing. was shooting was the directing entire experience. It. alex garland direct my life fun with, with rob hardy Funded. at his side let's you know you, you've met the cinematography here is yeah. outstanding and garland i love if you read anything with him he's very good at giving credit where credit is due where he talks about like you know people always compliment me on my visuals it's because i work with rob hardy rob Mm -hmm. hardy gets it he he can like i tell him what i want to see i tell him what i think would work for this and he comes back with things that i would never imagine myself he's able to capture image so the the score we talked about i mean this is we we could go on we should probably yeah i mean the fundamental observation here is this film is outstanding cinema and yes, it's troubling, but you need to get it. But the fundamental observation we've had in our glass this whole time. I've been painstakingly reserving this last. I don't know how yeah. you've been so yeah. measured. This has been a long when first half. It's been a, it's, mine's been empty for a while. It's been possibly the longest first half of an episode that we may have ever done. And it has been very difficult for me. But you know, if you listen to this podcast, you know me. You know that I like to reserve that last sip. You do. So that I ha- it's the most it's fresh, fresh on when your we, palate. When, when we discuss it. What I'll tell you before I take this last sip is that I have enjoyed this a great deal. Oh, pour it in your mouth, not your anal vagina. <laughs> but you said that you got hit with all this booze up front. When I opened that bottle, it... Yeah. The, the actual flavor profile is a well-balanced amount of booze. There is some hotness there on it, it but it's also It changed as I drank it. It, it as changes it warms, as it warms. When definitely. I was first drinking it, I, I had the same reaction to Joe. I think because you, you get hit by the nose, I'm pour, you know like tilting it, and I, hear, I smell that booze. I smell that whiskey barrel. I start sipping it. First, it come, came on a little hot, but very quickly, I think partly because the, the mouthfeel is so rich. I mean, this is like... Uh, weight dropping into your mouth mm-hmm. that you know kind of like smoothed it out and then you start getting those chocolatey notes the the vanilla notes obviously Bring some sweetness to it yeah. i mean all of that swirling around in there which you know as they say like it, it evokes cookie dough it evokes mm-hmm. cake it evokes it's a very pastry like experience um all around so as it warmed up as i was sipping it more i feel like the dessert aspect of it just increased increased but still kept some of that alcohol some of that whiskey which kind of balances it and made it feel because i am somebody who does not like super sweet over the top imperial stouts like that i mean sometimes but but not generally look at the coating just so well balanced and so complicated let's answer a question from the top of the episode anaheim california is where bottle logic is based out of Okay. Oh, shoot. Very far from Florida. Florida. Mm-hmm. Sorry. It was a, the 14.17. I mean, like I said, came in on the nose, hit me in that first sip. I think that on those higher ABVs, sometimes you rely on the first couple of sips to almost deaden your tongue in the sense that the alcohol is not going to hit you as hard on the last sip as it does the first. Right. A couple of reviews that we were reading earlier called it a brownie in a glass. Yeah. It does have, even though it's a vanilla adjunct on the label, it does have that brownie 
kind of chocolate flavor. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed it. And at $45 a pop, I still think I got my money's worth. If, if you had bought it, I would agree. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I, I understand why people are willing to pay so much for these beers. I get it. I don't know that I'll ever find myself being the one who seeks them out. But as long as I have great friends who want to share them with me, and that's what craft beer is all about, you know, getting a great bottle. And there are other great bottles I buy occasionally. And, and, you know, just open it up with some friends. This is that perfect beer for that kind of occasion where you're going to have like, you know, a little crew, maybe five, six of your good beer drinking friends get together. Having this on hand, who you are really going to impress them. I want to talk about my second viewing experience of this film, and I also want to tell you up front that I'm not quite as enthusiastic as you uh, ended there, David, but I'll pick all that up in the after hours. Patreon.com slash Brain Movie Podcast. Um, this is okay. This is a first for me. I, my computer went to screen screensaver because we've been talking for so long. Uh, oh, listeners, yeah. So thank you for bearing with us. Yeah. We we had a lot to chew on, and I bet if you saw the film, you're chewing on it too. I, I hope this be. is helping you work. There's it out. no one that walked out of the theater and was like, "Yeah, I get it." Yeah. <laughs> so boring. <laughs> yeah. uh, but we have would have been better with Iron Man. <laughs> we have a very different film coming up in the second half of this episode but as david alluded to at the top of this segment if you remember from long ago there is a through line there is a through line when we return And Guys, one of the biggest we, swings we got, in tone. We have to. I mean, like, that that first half, that took a lot out of us, uh, I yeah, think. I mean, yeah. I, I, there was a mental toll, which we needed to pay. I'm not saying that we weren't <laughs> needing to pay that debt, but yeah. we need to lighten, lighten everything here. Um, and what I brought to kind of lighten the mood is a beer from one of our favorite local breweries, Rebel Toad Brewing here in Corpus Christi, Texas. Um, we've had their beers many times on the shows before they are a member of our five timers club but this is their latest they've started putting out beer in cans i think did we have the abracahapra in the can i think we did on an episode so that was their first beer to get out to market in cans um they've had a couple since followed by bionic blonde and then the, the pickle head right and then this one now we have a fourth beer coming from them in cans available in our local supermarkets and i i'm sure they'll start distributing further in texas someday but um, this is a beer called Peach to Bay, which is a riff on a local road race um, that actually just took place here in Corpus Christi not that long ago called Beach to Bay, where where it starts at the beach and then runs inland towards this bay area. It's the there. largest relay marathon in the world as wow. far as uh, attendees. That's super cool. Crazy. Six Good legs night. from the beach to the bay. And when so, you're done, you probably want a beer. Yeah, so well-established uh, local bit of, uh, you know, celebratory kind of annual event that, uh, that that we've all kind of known about if you live in the area. And, and as Joe said, it has people even traveling to the area to take part in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Rebel Toad doing this riff, Peach to Bay. It is a Kolsch-style beer with natural peach flavor, is it how they describe it. It's 4.4% alcohol by volume. And I'll just note, I was a little bit... Um, confused at first because if I remember 
correctly, there was another beer that they brewed under this very same name at a certain point that was a uh, milkshake IPA. This in is style. correct. Yeah. Yes. This is correct. Okay. So it did happen. When when I first saw that they were putting this in cans, I had assumed it was that other beer that I had had, and I was thinking I was going to get that. When I read the label, I realized no, this is something entirely different. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, the, when, when they posted about it, they were like, this year's Peach to Bay is a Kolsch. So I don't know if they're going to keep changing. In the changing. series, they'll change it every know, time? I don't know if they'll keep changing the style or if they'll stay with the Kolsch because it's a nice, light kind of beer that you would possibly have after running a marathon. From a marketing standpoint, it makes sense because there are a fair amount of folks that come in for this thing. And if you know that every time you come to run it, the one of the best local breweries in town has done a new Beach to Bay, yeah. Peach to Bay tie-in should sell. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, as we've stated before, not one of, but the best. It, it's a favorite. It's a favorite. It's a favorite so, of mine for sure. So something light, something fruity, something a little effervescent for us here, let's hope, in the second half. Um, Joe, what film are we pairing this with? We have paired men with 2015's Man Up. It is a romantic comedy. And I'm going to read a synopsis that I found off the internet. A 34-year-old single woman, Nancy, played by Lake Bell, hung over again, exhausted by the endless, fruitless setups by her friends, traveling up to London to toast another 10 years of her parents' successful, happy, magical marriage, runs in with a 40-year-old divorcee, Jack, played by Simon Pegg, who mistakes her for his 24-year-old blind date. He's recently divorced. Nancy, deciding to go with it, happens to hop on the most chaotic yet hilarious journey of her life, which neither of them will ever forget. There is drinking, truths, an old stalker classmate with a long-standing crush, lost divorce papers, lost hopes, competitive indoor sports, and yes, Jack finding out the truth that Nancy isn't his blind date. Man Up, a romantic comedy about taking chances, finding about being yourself, finding out about being yourself, making decisions, and rolling with the consequences. Interesting synopsis. Yeah? Yeah. So I picked this movie as our pairing. I pitched it, I should say, in a somewhat joking manner because of how starkly different in tone it is. But I think it turned out to be okay. The reason that I have any idea about this film because I don't think it was like a big hit or anything like that is because there was a podcast that I used to listen to about screenwriting and I for the absolute life of me cannot remember what it was called I searched high and low trying to find it this would have been in like 2014 2015 like when this movie came out that I was listening to this fresh out of film school thought I was going to make movies and whatever Uh, and Tess Morris was on there uh, the writer of Man Up. The writer of Man Up and was talking about making this rom-com, writing this rom-com, uh, talked about this book that she read called How to Write a Romantic Comedy uh, that kind of lays out all of the things about a romantic comedy that you need for it to work, but you know, kind of hints at maybe some places you can play and things like that. And after listening to this podcast, I was like, oh, I need to watch this movie. That sounds sounds pretty good and you love the rom-com and i love a rom-com so let me check this out i'm very curious about where you guys fall on it because i love this movie when i pitched it it was because it was a movie that i had seen that i remember liking my first experience with rory kinnear that's the through line sorry david that i stole your thunder i know no no that's that Um, that's an important one and and what i was going to suggest is maybe a title for this episode is 
Rory Kinnear is creepy as fuck. <laughs> I mean, that's because that He's is good the, at it. That is the thread through these films. That is the thread through these films. In my little synopsis, the old high school crush that's stalking her is Rory Kinnear. Yeah. Yes. And when he takes his blind date to a bowling alley, he is the attendant. You know, he's the cashier. He's the bartender, yeah. And, uh-huh. Yeah, there you go. He's the bartender and his crush we learn quickly has been a full-blown obsession stalking yeah uh anyway yeah um but but yeah so that was my first experience with him whenever this men trailer started showing up i immediately thought of this movie and was like oh that's so funny that this guy is in this (laughs) Um, and i i hadn't seen it in a while kylie and i rewatched together i personally for me I think it's as good a rom-com as you can really get because I think it plays with some of those tropes. I think it has a really good like joke ratio, like as far as like how frequently you're getting jokes. I think that there's Mm -hmm. some really, I think Lake Bell's comedic performance in this is very good. She's great. Um, She's great. uh, You get Olivia Williams in there uh, playing a, I mean, there's not a lot for her to work with. She's got to be icy. She has to be icy, but the reason that I think of her is because there are these moments where, um, like in the very beginning at that engagement party, Lake Bell is talking to this couple that just got engaged about how, uh, like happy she is for them. And she's talking to the guy about like, Oh yeah. I do remember that girl that started crying while she was giving you a blowjob and like blah, 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 blah. And then as she's walking away, the girl who just got engaged looks at her now fiance and says they were tears of joy. And there are these little tiny, like really quick jokes where if you're not paying attention, you're going to miss them. And Olivia Williams has one of those where Lake Bell's character, Nancy gives all these like crazy theories about sex and the way that men and women interact with each other. And Mm -hmm. one of them is the blowjob paradox. And then it cuts away to Jack and Nancy doing some shit. And then it comes back to Olivia and her new boyfriend, whose name I can't, or whatever the fuck is. Uh, And she's accusing him of blowjob paradoxing her. But again, it's a really quick, like if you're not paying attention, you're not going to hear her say that. And Mm -hmm. it helped that I had the subtitles on that. So I was able to read it. Uh, But it's just, these jokes come quick. There's a lot of great physical comedy. There's this whole thing about Nancy, uh, you know, obviously the crux of the plot is her pretending to be this woman, Jessica, mm-hmm. who's 24 years old. She works in the city, whatever triathlete. the fuck that means. She's a triathlete. And there's this great scene where Nancy triathlons her way uh, from the bowling alley back to the bar that they started in. She's like running. Then she has to swim through this like uh, like bridesmaid, like bachelorette party thing. And then she like steals someone's bike and jumps on it. Like just those moments where it's like, it's not like totally unexpected. Like, oh my God, I can't believe this movie went there, but it's like, oh yeah, this is brilliant screenwriting. Like you're setting us up for stuff and you're delivering on it and you're giving us all of these great beats that we want, but you're not like treating us as dumb, you know? And you're not like, it's as real, not as realistic as romantic comedy can get, but there's this certain level of like, <laughs> yeah, it's not realistic. It's well, it's not realistic, but it's like this, you know, she's going to have to deal with this and how are they going to like, Sure, the ending of it is the part where it really gets like you know crazy. Trope-y. It's like it's like oh yeah, you met this girl like four hours ago and you're like in love already. Like calm down, guy. You know, but but they earned it. I I really think this movie earns that moment of him with all these frat kids or college party kids running through the streets of of London, trying to of help the, him reconnect of suburban with her. London, trying to help right. him reconnect. And you know, 
it it did everything that it needed to do so that you as an audience once we got there would be like all right fuck it i'm in like yes this is what i want you know and it's it's one of those movies that gives you what you want and to me when done right that can be that that can be an enjoyable movie experience you call them the rom-com tropes and they are played here the meet cute the meet cute yeah the um an unconventional meet cute though <clears throat> unconventional but you know it, it is there it's the, the beginning then you've got the uh the, the dance scene, you've got the... You've got a great montage. The montage in the bowling alley, you've got the, where people are acting in no way that humans would. You've got the... The, the um, bowling alley montage is great. You've got... you know, I could go on and on. It's fun, it's sexy. Here's it's, what you know, I like about the movie, first and foremost, is that it doesn't do what I really think is distasteful with American-made romantic comedies, and that is pick up the script... Who is the hot guy right now? Who is the hot girl right now? For a while, it was Matthew McConaughey. For a while, it was Kate Hudson. We could go on and on and on. And just plug them into this thing. Yeah. And because they're sexy eye candy, we're just going to... It'll make $60, $70 million. Sure. Simon Pegg, who we all probably like a lot. I do like From him, being yeah. an unconventional leading Shaun man the from the very beginning. Shaun mm-hmm. of the Dead, Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz, yeah. And the idea that Mission this is Impossible. the director yeah. of their television series, The Inbetweeners, is directing this film. So it's and and who did the the Inbetweeners movie as well, right? So it's made with some level of autorism, given the team that's making it. That these leads, who I know Simon Pegg, but I didn't really know Lake Bell that well, that they're not the She's marquee a good director in her own right. Yeah, they're not the marquee actors. So therefore, She's they are going British. to be more believable throughout is what I enjoyed most about the movie. I enjoyed this movie for a rom-com. I, re- I, I did. I'm glad that we saw it. I laughed a lot because of the sense of humor, Carlos, that you're talking about. And the tropes that were there didn't bother me too much. Well, you have to have them for a successful romantic comedy. If you don't have, if you don't have the meet cue, if you don't have the montage... If you don't have the obstacle to be overcome, and if you don't have the big romantic public declaration gesture at the end of mm-hmm. it, and there's a fifth one that's in this that book that I referenced earlier. There's mm-hmm. five keys to romantic comedy. I'm forgetting the fifth one. But if you don't have all of those things, it doesn't work in that genre. You're making a movie that's in a different genre, which is okay. You mm-hmm. can make romantic movies in a different genre than a romantic comedy. You can even make romantic funny movies in a different genre as well. But for what we classically understand as the rom-com, those are the things you need. Is your meet cute super played out and like, oh my God, they bumped into each other on a bus, you know, or is it something interesting like she just so happens to be holding the wrong book and then just rolls with it? You know, are, is your montage like jet setting across the world and like, you know, or in this crazy exotic locale or Mm -hmm. whatever the played out kind of stuff is? No, it's in a bowling alley, you Mm -hmm. know, and it's them being goofy and it's like something that's relatable. We've all like been to a bowling alley before. We haven't all like you know, sailed by the Amalfi coast or whatever the fuck, you know, like, and so it's these things that you should try. (laughs) It's these things that are, uh, maybe not the stereotypical Hollywood pieces that you would plug in, but that are still funny, still relatable. There's great jokes. Like I think, I think the scene that Lake bell shines the most in is when she realizes kind of what an ass, uh, Jack's ex ex wife is. And like that she's, you know, not she great. needs to be taken down a notch or two. She needs to be taken down a notch or two, and then she 
you know, really kicks it into gear of like, oh, I'm going to play up our thing. And yeah. She has this whole monologue about like, oh, we're so free in the bedroom. I remember that one time you told me to do that thing. And I was like, why? I'll <laughs> like, oh, just go with it. And I was like, honestly, I was quite scared because I couldn't see. And like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's yeah. the line reading that yeah, makes that so funny. The joke on its own is fine. But Lake Bell's delivery of it and the like way she plays the beats and stuff. And the reaction so of the ex-wife and yeah. her boyfriend. The boyfriend who's into the story and like, I'm getting kind of turned on by <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, And she should, and, and the ex-wife is just pissed. And so yeah. it's all of those well, How moments. dare he get satisfaction or happiness? That's he, not the way or this Or this woman bring this up, like this, yeah. this hussy who's, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, and then even the joke just of talked. like, there you go. That that's more British. Yeah. yeah. Even the joke of uh, she works in the city, mm-hmm. like that keeps coming up is funny because yeah, what does that mean? Like it's like it's just these little things that I think play up. And then of course they switch the notebooks, and then they still didn't get the right one back, and that leads to this whole thing. And it's just mm-hmm. I just feel like it pays off so well for me. If you don't like romantic comedies, there's no way you're gonna like this movie. And I would never recommend it to someone who isn't already predisposed to like enjoying that type of film. But I think if that's a type of film that you like and you want to see one done as expertly as it can be, I think this is a good one. I mean, as a, as a true cinephile and appreciator of film as an art form, this is garbage. I mean, this is just hot steaming garbage. No, sure. I, I, I just, I just. This, I mean, but that no, wouldn't it's be another, a terrible take. No, I know. It's another mode of filmmaking. It is, it's a different, it's a very conventional form of storytelling that's going on. Like you said, there are these certain tropes that must be in place to have it work successfully as a romantic comedy. Um, and and those are there. And I think what, what it really does boil down to is what, you know, what you both have kind of mentioned in, in your own ways is it's the performers, right? And I guess, you know, as Joe was saying, there are these bankable stars that get put in many times in the Hollywood rom-com, which can work. It works well, right? I mean, you get those people with, like, outstanding charisma and they they attract the audiences and and they do what they're paid to do, right? They have, like, a lot of charm and they're pretty and and we want to see them together. Um, This one I will, like you said, give it, or as Joe was saying, I will give it credit for... You know, Lake Bell is incredibly attractive. Don't don't get me wrong, but she is Beautiful. not like bombshell, um, blonde, like kind of you know, like a I don't know, even not in a stereotypical way. Not in I a stereotypical agree, way that you're just like she. You know, gorgeous. she's Barbie on screen. She's not Margot Robbie. She's no. not uh, you know. Um, Simon Pegg is actually kind of an ugly man, and that's <laughs> well, no, I mean, like I say that, that as an ugly man. Gingers are ugly. Yeah, I mean, like as somebody who resembles Simon Pegg to a certain extent, <laughs> I, I mean, we're not like the prettiest guys in the world, and, <laughs> and the very fact that okay, but we'll let him get by on sort of like comic charisma, charisma comic charisma alone. He's charismatic in this. Then, then you're you're putting a lot of weight on that, but it. But it pays off because I think he is that good of a comic performer. She is that good of a comic performer. The Vastly only underrated. Thing, the only thing in this film that really made me question, and this was before I saw Men, so the, the, but I had seen the trailer, so I guess I was tainted a little bit there, was the Rory Kinnear character is... Who plays a pretty large part in the overall story yeah, yeah, as the film progresses. It's way more upsetting than I feel like the film fully embraces. Like, th- there's such troubling aspects the fact that like he reveals himself to be an obsessed stalker 
from pretty much the get-go because he's talking about like knowing the layout of her bedroom yeah. that he's like peering you know he, he's How, a peeping you've never been tom. in my house no i was looking in the window through from a tree yeah. right right okay, we'll blow that off yeah and it, well and then you know the sexual assault that he's perpetrating and the way i mean all of it is so troubling and we're laughing it off and i'm not like I don't think that destroys the film, but it was giving me pause as I was watching it sure. where I was thinking like, oh my God, am I, should I find this funny? Is it like, this isn't funny. This is scary. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not super funny. I think that, but it, I but think, it does kind of want it to be played for laughs a little bit. And I think where the, uh, I think where it's like coming from more so than anything is that Nancy's like in the place of power in that situation. Absolutely. I think that and you're, so, you're right. And like so that's Nancy, what, there's never a question of whether or not she, she never feels imperiled by it. No, she feels that she has a situation totally under control and she yeah. ultimately does like he, he never does anything fully under that we see. Like yeah. he never gets and, quite and, and, there. And this, and was a, this was a simpler time, David, 2015. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but also yet. <laughs> Also, also something that's implied. This is just locker room talk back then. Yeah, something that's also kind of implied when they first meet each other is that like this guy's been at this for a while. Like Nancy has been, like Nancy had plenty of experience and like had like dodging him and like. But also, like, him. D- did a good job of making it seem like she didn't remember who the heck he was initially. Sure. Which That's which might point. be a defense mechanism, but I but at least I read it as honest initially. Yeah, the, yeah. He's much into her, also, more into her than she. Yeah. Also, look didn't at the, know who he was. Also, look at the two of them and how they've aged. I mean, I'm sure that Rory Kinnear does not resemble his high school self at 34 in the way that Lake Bell does as well. So there might be a legitimate kind of like, wait, who are you? You're bald. Fair, I don't remember sure. you. Uh, but I think I think the thing What's that wrong with bald, bro. Well, Joe, it changes your look. It changes your look. That's high school for sure. Joe was a different Joe. I've seen oh high, I've seen high school Joe pictures. Different oh, Joe. gorgeous God! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I, I think the fact that Nancy's kind of always in the driver's seat of that relationship makes it moderately less troubling, but not not troubling. Yeah, because he I mean, is a huge. Creep. I mean, that's another and, and, but, rom-com trope: is you're gonna have these kind of like awkward sidekick characters often that will be friends of one of the characters but this isn't really a friend but it's an awkward side character that becomes very crucial to the plot I was gonna say because he's also a huge part of the third act as it turns out you know like he which is what I'm saying like where like we kind of forgive all of the really deep creepiness of earlier on and he just becomes kind of like the quirky guy silly creepy (laughs) when he's like was he is he licking her face yeah so, yeah, I mean, <laughs> but she's in a comatose state because she's lost this right. potential. She's very depressed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's yeah. His, his Rory Kinnear is creepy as fuck. <laughs> I mean, that is that is an accurate statement. Uh, yeah, I'll 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 concede on that fact that yeah, he is he is an incredibly troubling, problematic uh, kind of character <laughs> in the film. But but for, I, I for also me, don't want to live me, in a world a, where we're devoid of creepy troubling people in film no i mean no, we can't no no. We, no 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 i i'm not saying that but i you, saw, I, you remember the first film we discussed today right sure. <laughs> okay that came out uh, a week ago yeah but it, it it doesn't it doesn't ruin this movie for me uh didn't it, ruin it for me either but it did give me pause yeah sure and it, it, as it probably should um the one thing that kind of like uh might 
bum me out a little bit about the pairing that we chose is that I feel like this would have been a great film to pair with one of Lake Bell's um, directorial efforts. She oh, We'll get around to her at some point, she, I'm sure. She wrote and directed a film called In, In a, a World. World. Have you seen that? I have not seen it, but I remember reading about it and wanting to see it. It, it never played here, but I'm sure it's on streaming now. I watched it on Netflix years ago. Okay. Right around the time, actually, that I would have been discovering this and I thought I thought it was very good and I I mean she was a new girl she was great a new girl um she's 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 been in some good stuff another person who I wanted to bring up in this is Sharon Horgan who plays her sister Elaine who we recently saw in The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent Mm -hmm. uh and who was also in the movie Game Night she's very funny in the movie Game Night oh yeah um and one of those kind of people that pops up and stuff always does a great job uh, but isn't you know a household name or anything like that? But I thought I thought she was. We don't do a nice. lot of romantic comedies, so it's fun to do one every once in a while. I, I just, will make you. Yeah, but this notion of us. it's got to have these five elements, which makes it completely unoriginal. But we got to do them as originally as we can. But we're still watching the same thing that we know. Check mark, check mark, check mark. But that's not a criticism that you have of slasher movies. It's a criticism that I have of Marvel movies. It's a. Uh, oh, but you still go see them shits. <laughs> When you twist my arm hard enough, I ended up not seeing Doctor Strange, by the way. I thought we would get over there. But we still like slasher movies that follow a certain trope. They have a final girl. They have, you know, certain kind of brutal killings that spark, that that bring the momentum about halfway through the movie. There's a pretty gory kill that kind of keeps you interested through the next half of the film. And then the final girl shows up and then you get the guy and it's this whole thing and this, you know. But Aislinn loves a rom-com so when I tell her, hey, be in a movie, we're going to do... I saw her earlier today. Yeah, she told me. Uh, we're going to do a rom-com, something that I know that the two of us would enjoy mm-hmm. together. That's that's always a, a treat. But, okay, so here's my question. Even as discerning cinephiles as, as, as you slash we are, something like this that's kind of just like mindless, fun... It doesn't make you happy. You don't. You don't feel a sense of happiness no, it, after it watching does. one of these what movies. I, we, we said, yeah. I mean, this is. But you don't ever it, seek that out, is what I'm saying. You're not like, you know what? I want to watch. And it's also. I want to have a good time. Um, <sighs> Chris Pine was in Star Trek, so let's stick him into some kind of rom com with the female equivalent of him because they're on some kind of rising path. What but movie you know was that? that everything is going to be. I could have picked a one of 25 guys, right? But Boston, but you pines, know that it's going to be a version of everything you've seen before. It's it, a it, camping rom-com. What's that? Lost, in the, Lost in the Pines with Chris Pine and uh, Place Beyond the Francesca pines, Di Fiore, I think, yeah. Is this real? <laughs> no, no, it's not real. It's not real. I'm just throwing it Very out. well, maybe. I had never heard of this movie before. You know yeah. what I mean? So I just, oh, no, me either. They just this, stay this off a... of my radar because of personal taste. But I'm well, not this surprised. this one didn't really hit I'm not surprised radar. the route that Carlos got to it because I did, reading up about the film, realize mm-hmm. that um, the, the screenwriter there, Tessa, what, what was it? Tessa, Tessa Morris? T- okay. Um, she is sort of a proselytizer. Tess Morris, yeah. Tess Morris. She's a proselytizer for the rom-com. I mean, she like goes out espousing no, the gospel yeah, of is. the rom-com, she making is. the very argument you're making here. Don't yeah. we need these kind of films? Absolutely. Look, I mean, I am not going to at all... I, I, can, I can get joy from rom-coms. Uh, I can't explain why I don't get attracted to them as readily as I do more... Um, 
you know, uh, screwball comedies. I guess screwball's not really, but but like uproarious kind of physical comedy. Like when I I tend when I want to go comedy to go like weird, wacky, strange. I want it to get as as batty as it can get in some ways, and and rom coms don't tend to do that because rom coms tend to, to say this one gets kind of batty, and I and I can appreciate that. That's like true. I feel like this one pushes further than most rom coms do, and so I will give it credit for that. But I think part of why I go not to rom com, but instead to more you know surreal and silly. I'm and say it's the British sensibility of this film that, that takes that's it there. part of it probably. That, yeah, that definitely helps. But as someone as someone who like found your your first love was your true love you don't love love david i love love but that's i do i do um but but i love love more in like the the films that explore the bonds i don't know like there, there's something like the silliness i guess it's maybe, maybe it's the triviality maybe so that is times. maybe that is part of it that yeah. i didn't feel that i didn't have the experience of like failure because yeah. i think a lot of these films right the lake bell this character certainly she's is. 34 years old yeah. she's they don't call her an old maid but that's essentially the subtext here that with Even her though sister she's like i know <laughs> Like Believe what? me, incredibly. I, but that's looking. but that's how she's being viewed by <laughs> yeah. some of the other characters. Oh, she like, has the transformation scene where she takes off her outer shirt and yeah, she's just yeah. in a tank top, yeah. and all of a sudden Simon Pegg, you see him go, whoa, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Now well, all of a sudden that, I'm that even more interested. That is some strategic cleavage deployment. Uh, that, I mean, it is. <laughs> that's it, the title of the episode. Oh no, we got to stick cleavage deployment. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. She went for the. She went for the SCD. Yeah, they went. They. they the, the entire team, they decided, we're going to do this. Um, I mean, I, you're absolutely right. I get it. But I think part of what rom-coms do is like that, oh, eventually it's going to work out. Because, yeah, that one failed, that one failed, that one failed. But you happen to meet, and this is wrong, too. But no, it's not. It's the right one. And we're going to get you there eventually. We're going to prove to you that the right one's and the, there. And the turn where, he re- where she reveals to him that she has been faking her identity happens earlier in the film than you expect for the typical formula, which then allows some emotional arc to occur over the having to forgive this person for the lie. But that works better because he... You know, has to question his desire to be with the. He's forty to be with the twenty-four year right, old. Like, well, right. why is that so attractive to you? Right. You really yeah. thought that that was going to work out to begin with. There is some interesting relationship well, dialogue match. here. <laughs> they, they were a perfect match. Yeah. Tom said we were a perfect match. Yeah, I I agree that the point in which he discovers who she is allows for them to continue their relationship without the kind of farce uh, in play. And it makes the moment where he chooses to go meet up with his original date like bear more weight than it would otherwise. Because we have seen them as Nancy Patterson and as Jack, whatever his last name is, have a connection as the people that they actually are and as knowing who each other actually are. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I think that that beat plays out really well in the overall Mm -hmm. development of the... Of, of of the narrative and uh you know again huge advocate for the format love love these movies in all their shapes and forms and i'm happy um, when you force us to watch one occasionally i think it's a good thing i think the next one we need to do is gross point blank uh i watched that one the other night uh again and 
think of the sound the soundtrack alone is worth discussing an atypical rom-com though yeah again much darker than most rom-coms much darker much darker um what an episode yeah a crazy episode really all over the place uh and you know we've been just like we've been running goes all over from leg to leg right i mean like here we've trying to do this relay marathon of film analysis suffered a shin splint uh we got we got winded and reinvigorated right i think joe had the vapors by the end of this but did this peach debate? I don't know. Why did I get the vapors? <laughs> did this peach debate quench that thirst that we worked up throughout that, like I said, marathon session of analysis that we just went through? I have a criticism. Okay. And I hate to give a criticism to one of our local breweries who, you know, we were friends with these people. Hector's in real listening, life. so. Let me read to you the side. No, I'm sure he's not, but but let's pretend he is. Let's Let me read to you the a sentence from the bottle logic fundamental observation that we drank at the beginning of the episode imperial stout aged in bourbon barrels with madagascar vanilla beans i dislike this notion of a colch style beer with natural peach flavor what the hell is a natural peach flavor i would loved it if they had said 20 peaches in a can i mean some kind of notion of we are using real peach We got to it in this direction, but this natural peach flavor is too vague for my liking. I get that. That's a marketing thing, I suppose. I I get that. When I was reading it, it kind of struck me as I I don't love that they're saying natural peach. I get that. Mm -hmm. That, that, Now, is there peach flavor in the beer? Without a doubt. Yeah, but but I think it's fairly subtle. It's not like hitting me over the head with that. Um, I know it's not a straightforward Kolsch when I'm drinking it, mm-hmm. but but it doesn't um, hit me. I I mean I like this beer. It drinks very light. Yeah, it does. And I think that's mm-hmm. exactly what you need when you're saying this is a beer to sort of celebrate the end of a road race. You mm-hmm. know, like a foot race. Um, the the peach element I like that it's tied in there with the name. Yeah. But that I don't know that I'm sold on it needing to be there necessarily because I have a feeling that under the peach flavor there is just an excellent Kolsch, and I kind of want to drink that beer at some point. I I like that this is there in cans. I will certainly drink more of this, and I like that it's on tap. I had it at one other venue in town this weekend. On tap. On tap. Um, Not at the brewery. No. Did it deliver a different uh, kick? Than the can, very no. It was it was good. Okay. It was it was great out of the tap. It was great out of the can. Um, it was different for me out of the tap. Really, I had it at the brewery on w- Saturday. More, a little more peach. More peach. Okay. A more peach. Okay. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't detect it that it was more peachy, but I could have had the beginning. It was or delicious the end of the keg. and easy to throw back. Yeah, it's really good. I I I like it a lot. I mean, I actually kind of prefer this to the milkshake IPA that they did. I mean, I liked that milkshake IPA, yeah. and I ordered it many times uh in the you know last year or so but at 4.4 percent with uh you know i've been i've been riding my bike to work a lot lately and the day that i had this i had ridden my bike to work and then talked to josh for a second and i was like you know what i'm gonna go try this new beer that rebel toad has before you have to run sound for this event and i have to take over at the shop uh so you know i was a little hot it was it was kind of hot on Saturday, yeah. and so I went over there, had a nice, refreshing peach kolsch. Yeah. Chopped it up with Cherie and Natalie for a little bit, and then I went back to work, and it was a great Ooh, time. Perfect. Uh, it was a great Saturday, and yeah, I, I, 
almost bought a six pack of it before I left, but then I was like, uh, you know, I'm gonna, they're, uh, Aaron Neville's son from the Neville brothers played at Vernon's on Saturday. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, how was that? Jason Neville and the funky soul band, I think is what they're Shoot, called. I wish like I that. had known that was, happening. um, so I knew I was going to end up there and I was like, I don't need to buy a six pack of anything right now, yeah. you know, um, but if I see this at HEB, I'm, I'm copying 100%. It's coming in, it's coming yeah. home, and it's going in my fridge. Did you drink beer at Vernon's? Yeah. What'd you get? Uh, I, I didn't order anything. A few beers were bought for me. Okay. Uh, so I, was, I wasn't I was very intentional in my selection. Their tap selection's hit or miss. It is very hit or miss. They used to I, have the, uh, the Firestone Walker Haze. Yeah, the Mind Haze. Haze. Mind yeah, Haze. Yeah, that was a go-to. That was a go-to, but All right. for me, it's Guinness because they have the Guinness on Nitro over there. So well, I'm very excited that they have another beer out in cans and that it's this tasty and it's this easy to throw back. This is a very great sort of day drinker beer. It's, where, my, pool, like, it's my pool Listen, beer. if I'm going to have a couple in the afternoon, these are the exact beers that I want to have. The can art's incredible for the commemoration of the event locally that we're doing. I imagine that locally at the grocery store, this will be a big seller. It, yeah. I, I'll, I'll tell you this anecdotally. I went in to the grocery store. I tend to go shopping. very. If anybody wants to see me at the grocery store very <laughs> early on a Saturday morning, that tends to be when I hit the grocery store. And there were... M- plentiful six packs up on the rack i grabbed mine checked out with it later in the day i had to go back because we were doing a a birthday party and i needed to get some ice and some other things and i just happened to walk by the rack completely empty good so this one is flying off the shelves at least in one heb location in corpus i i think they had to restock the flower bluff one so i think that means that it has been doing similarly nice so that's i mean I mean, look at the can. How can you? One thing I love about them, their can art's been great so far. Yeah. I think they've had really, really great can art. My friend Jake did, um, I think it was the Bionic Blonde can. Um, He did that shirt for us. He didn't do the Abracahopra? I don't remember if he did. Because those ones kind of have a similarity in the way they're laid out. He might have done both. Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head, but he's moving to Fort Worth, uh, which is a bummer, but. Uh, he's dead to us. <laughs> he's dead to us. No, he's not. He actually gave me this amazing Silk Sonic poster that I'll need to show you Ooh. on the way out. I got to go get it framed. But great beer. Every, you know, if you're in the the Corpus area at any point and you're trying to stock up for a beach trip or a pool and if you're day not, how about whatever, this? If you want to send us some beer, I will happily send this back in return so that you can have some of this locally brewed. Uh, peach to bay that's that, a fact that that's a fact area. we will do that um this has been um an uh, a longer episode of beer in a movie than what we're normally accustomed to but we had a lot to chew on again i, ho- uh, I hope week. that i hope the listeners were there with us and i mean this is an episode i think it was especially important to have seen the film maybe not man up as much but men to have seen that before you hear us talk about it because then i think you'd be along and you'd want to hear because like i said i feel like we only scratch the surface i have a feeling our listeners have a lot to say please tell us because there are places you can do that 
there are places that you can do that. Uh, you can find us on all of your favorite social media platforms. You can find us on Twitter at Beer Movie Show, Instagram at Beer and a Movie, Facebook.com slash Beer and Movie TX, Beer and Movie Podcast.com is our home base. You can find a link uh, to our merch there. You can find these great episode collections that Joe's put together. And you can also find our Discord where all sorts of conversations are happening uh, about beer, about movies. We're talking about music over there. Carlos's meme extravaganza is really popping off. <laughs> uh, so don't sleep on that. And also, as alluded to earlier, we do have a Patreon. That's a place where you can financially support the show, which really helps us out a great deal because we do do these. We put out an episode every single week. It's free to you. It's ad free. We just do it for the love of the game. But, you know, if you throw us a couple of, you know, pennies here and there, it does help us out a bit. That's patreon.com slash beer in the movie podcast. Five dollars a month gets you a bonus episode every single week where, yeah, we talk about beer and movies. but We talk about a great many other things as well. It is a great time. Uh, and I suspect that we'll have plenty more to say uh, this week as well. So don't sleep on that apple podcast rate uh subscribe and then leave a rating write a review it helps to manipulate the algorithm to put our podcast in front of as many beer and movie lovers as absolutely possible it really goes a long way so please do that if you feel so inclined um and i think that that about covers it it has been another graphically enigmatic week of beer in a movie until next time no 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 mustn't do that forbidden fruit Thank you.